Blessings to you as you join us to share in this time of worship, coming to you from Ceres, Kembach and Springfield Church in Fife. As you share with us, it's our prayer that you will know you're not alone, that God, whose face is Jesus Christ, is right there with you. Wherever you are, however you are, God is with you. Let's quieten our hearts, let's still our anxious minds as we prepare for our time of worship together. Our first hymn, by special request, is not in our hymn book, our usual hymn book. It's In Christ Alone and it's sung by Stuart Townend.
prayer together. Join us in prayer. Hidden God, we worship you. By ourselves we could never know you. No human wisdom could discover you. No argument could lead to you. No enterprise reveal you. In the wealth of its knowledge, the world fails to find you. But you came to search for us in the frailty of a human life. You trusted yourself to the fragile faith of wavering disciples. And so we praise you that in our very weakness we can know you. That stumbling blocks can become stepping stones. That the foolishness of the cross can become the very truth that quickens us to new life. We confess, O God, that too often instead of breathing your Holy Spirit into the world, we breathe in the proud spirit of the world, the spirit which scorns the way of weakness and boasts of its own cleverness. Forgive us that too often we've been singing the wrong song and walking on the wrong path. Forgive us. And in the stillness and in the quietness of this time together, may we hear you addressing our own heart and saying to us, Be at peace and know yourself forgiven. Know yourself set free to love and to serve. Hidden God, your wisdom unsettles all our values. Your holiness compels our love. Fill us with the desire to search for your truth, to live for the values of your kingdom, that we may be used by your grace for the transformation of our world. And we pray in the name of Christ as we take to ourselves the prayer that he taught us. As we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's share together. In the scriptures, first of all, reading from the epistle of James, from verse 1 of chapter 4. Sorry, verse 1 of chapter 3, reading together. May the word be a blessing to you. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go. Even though the winds are strong, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. 
and the tongue is a flame of fire. It's a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it's set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. Amen. And we read now from the Gospel of St. Mark, fourth chapter, from verse 30 down to verse 34. The beautiful parable of the mustard seed. Jesus said, How can I describe the kingdom of God? What stories should I use to illustrate it? It is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of all garden plants. It grows long branches and birds can make nests in its shade. Jesus used many similar stories and illustrations to teach the people as much as they could understand. In fact, in his public ministry, he never taught without using parables, but afterwards, when he was alone with his disciples, he would explain everything to them. Now let's take a pause now as we reflect both on our own stories and on the scripture. Well, at the moment I'm clearing the manse for my retirement next month. But I have to say that progress has often been slowed down considerably when coming across old keepsakes and especially old photograph albums. You know the experience, you've been there, I'm sure. You put down the black bin bag, you sit down just for a moment, of course, and you open that old album, or you flick through the pages of that old diary. Then half an hour later, you come to your senses and you look at the bomb site at your feet. It's still waiting to be cleared. Well, having mislaid it for some time, I came across the old photograph album of my days as student minister in Kenlochue and Torridon. Flicking through these evocative images of the landscape of Westeros, I'm reminded of the wild grandeur, the terrible beauty of that corner of God's garden. It is indeed, to quote Walter Scott, the land of the mountain and the flood. The grandeur and awesome glory of it all really went deep with me when I first began to work there. And yet, I was to make a discovery. Amid the glory and the craggy beauty, a dark and marauding monster lurks. A monster that brought and brings misery to so many people, visitors and locals alike. This monster was greatly feared and was a real problem for the tourist industry as it scared off so many visitors, leaving them cowering in fear in their caravans, huddled together against the marauding enemy in their flimsy little tents. One evening, a few days after I arrived in the parish for the first time, I went for a wee walk along the shores of Loch Marie. What a lovely evening it was. There was not a breeze to ruffle the surface of the loch. The sun was splitting the sky. It was a beautiful, calm, still evening. And nobody was about. Where were the tourists? What was going on? Surely these tourists had no sensitivity to the glory of creation. They were sitting inside in their caravans on such a lovely evening. 
instead of exploring and enjoying the beauty of the world around them. As I sat on a big rock at the loch side, I was able to say to myself, God's in his heaven, all's well with the world. But then suddenly, hell burst into heaven, terror struck in the form of a dark, marauding cloud. The monster had appeared. No wonder. The tourists were nowhere to be seen. As you've probably guessed by now, I am speaking of the terror of the highlands, the scourge of the glens, the dreaded West Highland midgey. Here is a piece of <clears throat> world-class literature to remind you of the horrors of the midgey. The midgeys, the midgeys, I'm no going to kid you. The midgeys is really the limit. With teeth like piranhas, they drive you bananas. If you let them get under your simmet. Robbie Burns, eat your heart out. Well, everywhere in Westeros, midgeys are high on the list of favourite conversation topics, whether with locals or visitors. If you visit the nearby gardens at Inverview, just a few miles north of Kinlochew, you'll often find there's a sign at the entrance to the garden saying, sorry, the midges are bad today. The village store in Kinlochew even sold cartoon postcards of the wee blighters, dressed in kilts and carrying pneumatic drills. Midges are tiny wee things, yet... For tiny wee things, they cause havoc for the Scottish tourist industry. The manager at Kinlochew Caravan Site told me back then that he had lost 20 caravans in one evening. These visitors had become so disgruntled with the wee monster's constant attack, they had given up and driven away in an easterly direction. I should point out that there was a kind of so-called midgey line. Once you drove east of Garve towards Inverness, you would find the midges had been largely left behind. Midges are tiny. Midges can cause havoc, which got me thinking. It's not just big monsters like atom bombs or sharks or Sherman tanks that can cause havoc and destruction, but tiny wee things. Think of a few of them. The cruel or sarcastic word that divides a family or permanently wounds a child's sense of worth. The discarded cigarette that starts a forest fire. We read from the epistle of James, didn't we? When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. They're so large and they're driven by strong winds, but they're steered by a small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body. But it makes great boasts, great speeches. Consider what a great forest can be set on fire by a small spark, a tiny spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. Well, sombre kind of words there, but very realistic words when you think about it. The tongue can cause devastation can do terrible things. Once, probably I'm thinking date-wise, in the late 1920s, in the music class at Denny High School near Falkirk, the music teacher was going around the class listening to each boy singing a solo. He came to one nervous, nervous dark-haired lad. The boy did his shaky best. 
but the teacher condemned his performance with cutting, biting, sarcastic wit. The class thought it was hilarious, but the young boy, the dark-haired boy, wasn't laughing. He would never open his mouth to try and sing a song ever again. That boy was my dad. The tongue can be devastatingly destructive. In these days, we all know the power of the destructive text or tweet. We hear too often of so-called cyberbullying, where cruelty and biting sarcasm rule. And yet, I hear you saying, it's not always like that. In these days of lockdown, we're so aware of the opposite, of the word that heals, the tongue that reassures, that encourages, that brings hope, the tongue that says, don't be afraid, you're not alone, we're here for you. We're just next door, we're just a phone call away. Two extremes, the tongue can be so life-giving and it can be so destructive. Our words can be seeds of life, or bullets of death. They can bring hurt or they can bring healing. Speaking of the power of words to do good, I'll never forget when I was rather stressed out Facing my final exams at St Mary's College and St Andrews University, a postcard arrived from the north. It was from my old parish in Western Ross. It was a lovely photograph of the wildness of the Torridonian Mountains that I knew so well. And there was a simple message on the card. Everybody here is thinking about you. The person had actually forgotten to sign it, which was quite nice actually because it made the card feel like the whole community, in a sense, had signed it. Just a wee thing. But it made my day. And it gave me new strength to face my exams. Small things can be so significant. Jesus celebrated the power of the small. The widow's mite, the wee boy's offering of loaves and fishes. The glass of cold water offered to a thirsty person. Or the parable of the mustard seed. That little parable really speaks to me. Of course, in Palestine, it's a different kind of mustard seed. It's a seed that becomes a substantial small tree. The word, the message of Christ, is small like the seed, seemingly insignificant perhaps, yet it is the potential to build a community of shelter, of sanctuary and open-tabled hospitality. Just think about it. Every time the word is read in scripture, every time we read it for ourselves, every time it's preached in a sermon or we hear a talk on the radio or this podcast, this seed is being sown. This seed that has a great potential to build a community of shelter, sanctuary and open-tabled hospitality. In our reading, I was particularly struck by the words The tree grows long branches, long branches that provide welcome and shelter for the birds. In these days of challenge and upheaval, I think there's something of a renewal going on in the churches. We are growing longer branches, branches that reach out to give safety and sanctuary and shade, reaching out to our parish in new ways. Someone said to me recently that they thought that in our own parish, We are closer to the folk in our parish during this lockdown period than we were before. 
Many years ago, I remember visiting a marvellous church-run cafe in the city of York. It was called The Mustard Seat, and it was inspired by our little parable. The whole of one wall displayed a wonderful artistic presentation of the parable in coloured felt. There was the mustard tree in all its glory with bushy leaves and multicoloured birds and butterflies, I think, were fluttering about as well. It was a lovely image of life in all its fullness. A tree with long welcoming branches, branches offering shade, sanctuary, safety, welcome. What a lovely image of the church, as life-giving, as welcoming, as sheltering, as fruitful, a place of life, a safe place, a place where it's good to be, a place of sanctuary and hospitality. What a lovely image of the kingdom of God in which small things are of huge significance, in which small things can make the world so different. In the name of Christ. Amen. Let's pause now and listen to some instrumental music this time. It comes from the Celtic worship band and it's their version, instrumental version of the song What Kind of Love Is This?
prayers of thanksgiving, nor prayers for others. Thanksgiving. Lord, whether our week has been easy or difficult or downright impossible, we thank you that we weren't alone, that you were with us, and that your presence was mediated through friends, through someone at the hospital, a kindly nurse or doctor, someone we met in the street, someone who came to our aid when we were finding life difficult. We thank you for all the ways, the little ways that you remind us, that you are with us in the ordinariness of our lives, that your kingdom is indeed a kingdom of little things. We thank you for the little things this week that have been precious and special for us. We thank you for folk who've done little things for us that have meant so much. That lovely email we received, or a birthday card, or a greeting of some sort. We thank you for all those reminders that we are not alone, of your presence mediated to us through those we love, our friends, our families, and those who were perhaps strangers at the beginning of the lockdown period, but who have now become friends. We thank you, Lord. And we bring our prayers for others. Lord, you care for all your children. You know each one, their joys, their sorrows. You know each house, each need. We pray for all those who call upon you, and especially for those who don't, who don't call upon you, who are struggling with life at this time, seeking to keep things together. We ask that you would bless your church in our parish, bless your church throughout the world, confirm your people in the faith of the Christ, inspire your people with love for you, with zeal for your service, and joy in doing the work of your kingdom. Bless our leaders in Westminster and in Holyrood at this difficult time when they have difficult decisions to make and strategies that need to be worked out and to which they must adhere. We remember our Queen and the Royal Family and we remember especially the Queen at this time when there is so much heartache facing her in our own family. We pray for all those who govern us. Guide them with your wisdom. Equip them with your strength. Lord, may you move through your world by your power healing, releasing, revealing, renewing, delivering. Move through your world, Lord, and grant us the vision to see you to see your footprints in the sand of the world and to follow where you lead us. Lord, we think of those who are ill at this time or who have lost someone dear to them. Draw near to them, we pray. Bless those who are sick. Support those who are drawing near to their lives' end. Console those who are mourning. And supply the wants of those in need. Be especially close to those that we name now in the silence. Bless our homes. 
May our homes be places that enshrine the healing tongue, the life-giving tongue, and not the biting, cynical or sarcastic tongue. Bless our homes, that your love and joy may dwell there. And keep those who are absent from us within the protection of your love, within the embrace of your everlasting arms. Eternal God, we thank you for all those who have gone before us now and those who have inspired us and walked by our side and who are now in your nearer presence. May we, as we continue our journey, be inspired by the example of those who have reached their journey's end. These all our prayers we bind up in the strong name of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Our final hymn comes from Salisbury Cathedral. If you want to follow the words in your hymn book, it's 718. It's We Cannot Measure How You Heal. And the conductor is one of the authors of that hymn, John Bell. We cannot measure how you heal if you're following it. Seven one eight.
know, wherever you are, and always, as always, and especially so, if you're on your own, or if you're finding life just a bit hard at this time, for you, especially for you, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.